0: a year ago. <laughs> we started uh, on the last Sunday in December, we started a series based on the book, the O.S. Hawkins book, The Joshua Code, 52 Verses Every Believer Should Know. And we kind of jumped away from that for the Christmas uh, season, but we're going to get pick it back up today because I know it's been 52 weeks, but we're not through 52 verses yet. That's just the way things go. So uh, we're going to pick back up today. And we're going to be in John chapter 1, as you read earlier, at probably one of the most critical verses every believer in Christ should know. And when I say know, I mean memorize it and know what it means. Because this is the difference between Christianity and everything else. There's not another belief system that says that God came to earth in the form of a man to save them. That's that's Christian, that's a Christian distinctive. None of the rest of the, the belief systems out there believe what this verse says. So this is just for us. And so every Christian should know this verse. You should memorize it and you should know it. We're gonna study our way through it today. And we're gonna study our way through it the way we have been all year. And that is the study habits I'm trying to instill in you. Look first at the context. See what the context of the verse is. Then look at the so what's. So what does this say about God? So what does it say about me? So what do I need to do now that I know this about God and myself? And then we're going to look at it phrase by phrase. And then we're going to draw out the comfort and the challenge of the verse. Because I believe every passage of Scripture has both a comfort and a challenge to it. So we're going to look at all of those today as we study our way through. So in your Bibles, John 1.14, it is up here behind me. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory as the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Powerful verse. So let's, uh, let's look first at the context I've talked about the Gospel of John as the context before. The context is the Gospel of John, and and since I've covered the Gospel of John several times, I won't go through that. But I do want to talk about the immediate context, because the immediate context is from, from verse 1 to 14 of John 1, he's telling us who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? He begins by saying, "...in the beginning was the Word." and word and the word was with god and the word was god and then he continues through talking about that until he hits verse 14 when he says the word became flesh and dwelt among us so he is showing us who jesus is he's telling us that jesus is the creator because he was in the beginning he's the creator he's the sustainer of everything we know and that is who became flesh That's who came here in human form. So it shows us, first of all, that Jesus is God. Now again, this is not something that every belief system uh, believes. But clearly, the, the first chapter of John sets out Jesus as God, the creator, the sustainer of everything, who became flesh. So Jesus is God. But perhaps the greater point that I want to get to today is that God knew exactly what we needed, and he gave us himself. God went all in. He gave us himself. He saw our condition and decided the one way to save us was to give us himself. And so that's what he did. Jesus is God, and God gave us himself. Now, think about that for a moment, because uh, think of it in terms of a wedding. I think about uh, uh, our, our uh, relationship with God is often compared to a wedding in the Bible, and so, so think about it in terms of a wedding. When somebody, when the bride and groom stand and say, I do, they're saying they're all in. They're all in. For better, for worse, for sickness, for, for health, for poor, for rich, they are all in. God gave us himself because God is all in. He's all in. He's given us everything he can. He gave himself to us. The creator and sustainer of the universe gave us himself. He didn't, uh, he didn't give us a bunch of, when we call upon God, he doesn't give us a bunch of do's and don'ts, and he doesn't give us a guilt trip about the stuff in our lives we need to fix. He gives us himself. And that's what he's done according to this verse. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So what does this say about God? As I I keep saying, God loves you so much that he went all in. He gave himself. He didn't didn't send somebody, he came. Himself. That's the the love that God has for you. He saw that we, in order to restore our relationship with him, in order to restore our relationship with other people, he had to come and give himself. And so that's what he did. God gave himself for us that we might know God and that we might be saved. It says that, that I I think uh, it goes without saying, perhaps, God will go to extreme measures to reach you. This is pretty extreme. You, you, we, we know this story. We know that Jesus came. We know this story so much that we, we maybe lose sight of the fact that this is a very extreme measure. God himself coming here in human flesh, looking and acting like you and I, feeling what we feel. This is an extreme measure that God has has gone to to heal you and to restore you. And it tells us again that Jesus is God. Now, uh, uh, there are uh, plenty out there, plenty of books have been written about how the the deity of Jesus, the, the, the fact that Jesus is God, was invented by the church somewhere along 325 A.D. Clearly not. Because the first chapter of John tells us that Jesus is God. So, Jesus is fully God. And He gave Himself and showed us His glory and gave us His grace and truth. Jesus literally embodies the grace, truth, and glory of God. Literally embodied it. So, if we want to know the glory of God, we must know Jesus. If we want to know the grace of God, we must know Jesus. If we want to know the truth of God, we must know Jesus. He brought them with him. He embodied them. So if we don't have Jesus right, you you don't have God right. Jesus brought these to us. He's the one and only Son of God. The Greek is very specific here, just like in John 3.16. When it says one and only, it is the only one of its kind. There's never been one like him before, there never will be again another like him. One of a kind, the only son of God. Again, there are belief systems that would tell you that there's more that God had more than one son. But that's not what this verse tells us. That's not what John 3:16 tells us. It says there is one son and there's never been one like him before and never, been one, never will be one like him again. So what does it say about us? It says that God loves you. I know you've heard me say this, but you are the target, focus, and purpose of the love of God. You are the target, focus, and purpose of the truth of God and the grace of God. You. You and I. Jesus did not need to come except to save us. God did not need to give Himself to us except to save us. God did not gain from this. God didn't need to do this for His sake. He needed to do it for ours. And so God has done it. He gave us Himself. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It says that in order to see the glory of God and to know the truth of God and to know the grace of God, we must know Jesus. There is no other way. There are not lots of paths. There are not, it's not, uh, it's not well, I know God, but I don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God because Jesus came and brought the, the grace, truth, and glory of God. We have to have Jesus right in order to have God right. So what do we need to do? We must know Jesus. A relationship with Jesus is the only way we can have a relationship with God. He brought the glory, grace, and truth of God to us. We must know Him in order to know God. We must know Jesus. So let's look at this phrase by phrase. The Word became flesh. Now, again, context tells us the Word is Jesus. Jesus is God, was with God, and is the one who came. And and it's interesting, John uses very specific language here in the Greek. The Greek non-believers believed in this in this force that made things happen. It, it was the thing that caused things and caused things not to happen. It was what we would probably identify as fate today. Have you heard somebody talk about fate? Fate is the idea that there's something out there that makes things happen or keeps things from happening. That's the idea of fate. John John tells them fate has a face because, see, the Greeks... They didn't call it fate, they called it logos. It was the logos that made things happen. John says the logos, the word for word is logos. Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. So so John is telling the unbelieving Greek that that idea that you have of fate, it has a face. It has a human form, it's Jesus. Jesus is the one that is making things happen. He's keeping things from happening. He's the force that you know, you already believe in. It hasn't. He has a name, and he has a face, and he has a human form, and it's Jesus. And dwelt among us. Dwelt is the is the word for take up residence. A lot of uh, uh, a lot of English translations have tabernacled there, and the and, and that's because it draws back the idea of the tent of meeting in the Exodus. The tent of meeting sat in the middle of of the camp of Israel, and and Israel camped all around it. And so God dwelt in this tent in the middle of uh, of his people. He tabernacled there. He pitched a tent there. So John is telling us that, that God himself came here, pitched a tent, and lived with us. He pitched a tent with us. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about the tent as our human body. And so it, it all lines up. It, you see how it all fits together. Jesus came in a human body just like a God gave himself in a human body just like ours. A tent that, that God came and pitched a tent and lived with us. And I'll say again, this is a Christian distinctive. This is not something every belief system believes. When you, if, if you look at other uh, belief systems, Buddhism and, and Islam and all of these others, they have someone coming from here and going there. They do not have God coming here. Christianity says God gave himself. He came and he pitched a tent and lived with us a Christian distinctive. And we observed His glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father. We see the glory of God in Jesus. Jesus is the glory of God embodied, and He is the one and only, the only one of His kind, the only one that has ever been or will ever be. The God Himself in human form full of grace and truth. We know the grace of God in Jesus. We know the truth of God in Jesus. And we don't know either one. We don't know what grace is or what the grace of God is or the truth of God is apart from Jesus. Jesus brought those to our world. He embodied them. We know the truth of His grace and we know the grace of his truth. The truth of his grace is that Jesus came to save you. And that believing in him is all you need to do. You don't, you don't need to do a bunch of, of, right, uh, of do's and don'ts. You don't need to do a, a list of stuff that you need to fix in your life before you get there. He, we need to believe in Jesus. That's the, that's the truth of his grace. And the grace of his truth is that we needed Jesus. We needed a Savior, and that Savior has come. That Savior was born on that first Christmas. That Savior died on that first Good Friday and rose again on that first Resurrection Sunday or Easter. That's that's the, the grace of His truth and the truth of His grace. Jesus had to come because we needed Him to come. He embodies the grace of God and the truth of God. And he shows us the glory of God. So if we don't know Jesus, we don't know any of these. We don't know the glory of God. We don't know the grace of God. We don't know the truth of God apart from Jesus. So what's the comfort and the challenge of this verse? The comfort is is clearly that God loves us so much that he will go to extreme measures to reach us. You are the target, focus, and purpose of the love of God. You are the target, focus, and purpose of the grace of God. You are the target, focus, and purpose of the truth of God. Jesus came because you and I needed him to, not because God needed needed it to happen. He came because we needed it to happen. And the challenge is that we must know Jesus You've, I have said it from this platform hundreds of times over the years if you do not know Jesus you do not know God it's impossible to know God apart from Jesus do you know Jesus do you have a relationship with him God went all in and gave himself what will you do What is your response to that? I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and consider the question. God went all in. What am I doing? What's my response to God? Do you need to take a step of faith toward Christ this morning? As I said earlier, it's simply believing in Jesus. It's, it's, It's a simple prayer that says, God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus came to save me. That he died on the cross for my sin. And that he rose again to give me life. I trust that Jesus is enough. And so I ask you to forgive me and come into my life. How are my life? Show me your glory. Give me your grace and your truth. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know that you took a step of faith toward Christ today, that you believe in the one who became flesh and dwelt among us. Maybe this morning you you know Christ, but as you look back over the last month, the last two weeks, the last couple of days, the last ten years, you've been living your life, not his. God gave himself. He went all in. Are you going to respond by going all in back? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for this time that we had to study. We thank you for the tremendous comfort knowing you gave yourself to save us. You went all in. Help us to respond by going all in. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is... Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 1030 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.